Thank you for listening to the Ifty Market Podcast, brought to you by Mountaintop Data. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Kate Athmer. She's the Senior Director of Growth Marketing and Sales Development at Bombora, and we'll be talking to her about ABM mistakes. Super fun subject. Can't wait to get into this. Kate is a marketing specialist, branding expert, a published author, speaker, and problem solver. She's passionate about using data and automation to generate demand, shorten the sales cycle, and integrate sales and marketing. She's the co-author of Millennial Reboot. I think the subtitle, how do you work that, Kate? It's the Our Generation's Playbook for Professional Growth. Kate, um, Kate Athmer of Bambora, really excited to have you on talking about ABM today. I love this angle on ABM, the mistakes. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, ABM mistakes is, is one of my favorite topics and something that I have an opportunity to discuss pretty regularly. Um, so it's a, it's a familiar topic and I'm happy to share my learnings from all of those conversations of the past. Yeah, ABM can be a bit dry, but ABM mistakes, that's the water cooler talk. <laughs> it's, it's all about how you spin it. So you'd mentioned something something with this ABM mistakes subject matter. I want you to kind of speak to that a little bit more. Uh, basically that your, your experience in ABM mistakes isn't within a specific, a specific silo or company, right? Right. So ABM is part of our marketing strategy at Bombora. It's been part of my marketing playbook for um, my previous roles as well. But uh, a lot of my work in in those roles involved working with a wide range of our customers and really coaching and consulting them on their ABM strategies. So anyone from a smaller organization who had limited resources and figured that ABM was the best way to prioritize those resources to really large enterprise corporations who um, either wanted to do a pilot in ABM or recognize that in order to sell to other similar enterprise organizations like themselves, that ABM was really critical. Um, ABM is, I think most people probably listening to this podcast are aware that ABM is important when today's buying committees are so large and you're not just selling into one person, but you really have to put forth the effort to surround the organization and surround everyone who's part of that buying committee. So my experience is, is not just, like you said, not just in my own trials and tribulations and experimentation with ABM, but also in helping our customers dive in and figure out what makes sense for their ABM strategies. So you've seen people screw up across multiple <laughs> industries. Uh, you've seen mistakes from campaigns that are trying to figure out what five accounts to target all the way up to what 5,000 accounts to target basically? Yes, mistakes, but also definitely successes. Um, ABM is really powerful. And uh, some of our customers have completely transformed their marketing organization to be oriented around ABM with amazing success. So, right. um, and they, a lot of them made the mistakes at the beginning and, and figured things out. Um, so the, the point of this is that there's success on the other side. It's not just mistakes, 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 but once you can, can avoid the mistakes or correct the mistakes, there is really a huge potential upside for taking an account focus. 
And I guess we could point out that the title of this podcast is ABM Mistakes, not doing ABM is a mistake. ABM is a great, <laughs> right. it's a great technique. There's just, hey, why not learn the pitfalls to avoid ahead of time? Um, and, and that's what we're here about. And also maybe to poke a little fun at some of these mistakes. There's probably some pretty silly stuff in there. Um, okay. Well, before we get more into the account-based marketing side, by the way, if you're listening to the podcast and you didn't know what ABM meant, go back and listen to some past podcasts as well. There's probably many acronyms we can help you out with. Um, but uh, yeah, account-based marketing mistakes. Before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got where you're at, maybe touch on uh, rowing championships, professional hockey, any of that kind of stuff in your, in your background? Well, so uh, I, I was an athlete in college. So the rowing championships uh, stemmed out of that um, really got my start early on in my career working in sports because as an athlete, sports interested me. Um, and then I discovered that I really liked to be on the forefront of marketing um, and liked the fact that marketing was evolving as my career evolved to be a lot more data-driven. Like and most athletes, you wanted to be successful and win basically at what you're doing. You didn't want to be uh, in the background in marketing. You said, Hey, if I'm going to be in marketing, I want to win. I want to win. And I want to be able to prove I'm winning. Yeah. Um, exactly. So uh, the first kind of job I had um, for, for real, I call it my first real job uh, was at an ad tech company. And it was, if anyone remembers point roll, rest in peace, point roll. That was my first job, and we were really pioneering in terms of what could be done with ad creative. We had the first expandable, I think, uh, banner ad, and, and there was just a lot of innovation happening at that company in terms of what could be done with display ads. Um, and so it was an exciting place to work because we were doing things that hadn't been done before. Um, and then that's kind of what steered me also into MarTech right after that, uh, working for Integrate and Integrate is doing things, still doing things that um, hadn't been solved by other pieces of MarTech. So areas where marketing automation um, hadn't reached yet. So Integrate solving some of those challenges. So that was uh, an, a nice sort of segue out of ad tech and into MarTech. And now I'm at Bombora, and Bombora is the leading provider of intent data. And what we really believe in is that marketing has this reputation sometimes of being a, a pollutant <laughs> um, and really over-marketing or overselling or being annoying to people. And at Bombora, we're trying to combat that by providing data to marketers and data to sales teams that help them prioritize and reach out to, market to and sell to customers or prospects that are doing research on the services that the company can provide. We had so, a guest a while back that, um, I'm not gonna quote exactly, but said something to the effect, and I've been using it ever since, that marketers ruin everything. <laughs> our, our job is basically to find something that works and then beat the hell out of it until it doesn't work anymore and then find something else before anyone else can use that thing. It's to, it's to kill that horse before anyone else can use it. Scorched earth is kind of how marketers yeah. end up working. If Bombora can help fight against that, 
to be the good side of marketing. That's awesome. Uh, I had somebody years ago, I remember having a call where we were looking at, at our product and asking this, um, this client of ours, if there was one thing you could do, our company provides data for, so um, historically companies like ours have been more on the evil side of enabling marketers to ruin things in, in mass. Um, so we're asking if there was one thing you could have that doesn't exist with, with data, what would you want? Like, just forget about whether it's possible or not. What would you want? And they said, oh, we'd want to know when people are ready to buy. And that's kind of what intent data is. Maybe not ready to buy, but it allows you instead of reaching out to 100,000 people, you know, you're talking about account-based marketing. No wonder you're up on board now. It's hand-in-hand uh, -hand with account-based marketing. You don't have to reach out to half a million people to find the two who are at the right spot and you haven't already annoyed the hell out of yet, you can wait for that intent data to start clicking and then say, now we can come and bother these guys when they aren't going to be annoyed by it. So that's uh, love what you guys are doing there. That's awesome. Yep. That's the goal. And, and people are, are often surprised and, and impressed and our customers will tell us this, that, that they just sold a deal last week because they reached out to somebody and said, are you interested in X, Y, Z? And the person said, how did you know? We were just like reviewing our existing uh, service provider for that. We weren't happy with them. We've been researching other alternatives and you happened to call like while I was doing this research on my computer. And right. obviously that's the ideal. That's the dream. <laughs> it doesn't always work that perfectly, but that's, that's the goal. And the goal is that, that organizations can know when somebody needs their product right now and reach out to them and get them the relevant information, get them the relevant messaging to help them make decisions quicker and get back to doing their job. Cause no one's job is buying stuff. Most yeah. people's oh. job is not buying stuff. So it's, it's always, if you can make that process easier and faster and, and help it move along, that's people love you for that. Yeah. And uh, you know, we have a thing. I remember working with the sales team back in the day. Again, there was the occasional, when a when an SDR would give an opening pitch, somebody would say, "Oh, good timing," and that was like people would freak out that, "Oh my God, I got a good timing call today," and it was so infrequent. And I imagine with intent data, not to do a commercial for Bambora, but more for intent data, and you guys happen to be the lead in that. Um, that with intent data, those SDRs can like, oh, I they I don't know what the stats would be. You guys might, but I'd be interested in knowing. It might be a good campaign. Uh, what the multiplication factor on good timing uh, responses is to the, that <laughs> opening pitch, because that is the pitch, the, or that's the response that every salesperson, every account executive, every SDR wants to hear. Good timing makes your day. It's just one of those a day and you're good. You can go home. For sure. Absolutely. And I think we probably have some case studies that, that have some interesting stats if people want to research um, that and see what exactly our customers have been able to measure in that area because it's, it's definitely something that is measurable um, and, and something that just in general helps make sales teams happy. And when marketing can help sales teams be happy, everybody wins. Yeah. You need to create a product or rename one of your products, just the good timing multiplier. <laughs> I will, uh, I will take that to product marketing right away. <laughs> um, that's trademarked by the way. Okay. I'll, I'll convey that in. I don't well. know. They're, they're going to come up with some level. Legally, we can't do it now. No, you guys can have it. I don't mind. Uh, <laughs> it's not that great. They probably don't want it. Anyway, let's, uh, let's transition over a little bit to, well, I guess first, a little bit more on you. Uh, you and Bambora, what's your day-to-day -day there? What's, what are you kind of doing on the day-to-day -day basis? Your title is very big 
and long and nice. Um, we got senior nice. growth. Oh no, see, see, I can't even start to get <laughs> senior director of growth marketing and sales development. Yes. So I am actually in, as of the recording of this podcast, I am in week three at Bombora. So I just came over here after actually being a Bombora customer previously. So um, right now my day-to-day -day is drinking from the fire hose, but I think um, in terms of what my day-to-day -day in the future will be, I'm really head of demand gen for the organization and making sure that we are attracting the right customers for our business um, and people that customers that really can leverage this data to improve their marketing and sales strategies. Um, and then the sales development component of that is just um, making sure that our sales team is equipped to accept the handoff from marketing and be able to get people across the finish line. So um, I always say this as a demand marketer, there's no point in generating demand if there's nowhere for the leads to go. Um, so I'm a big believer in the two teams working together and making sure that the process is tight on the inside so that things keep moving, um, but also a good customer experience. Um, we want to make sure that once we have leads in our hands or accounts in our hands that are ready to have conversations with sales, that the sales team is aware of what they've already done, aware of the research that they and the knowledge that they have. Um, and ready to kind of pick up the baton from there and keep things going. Um, and marketing continues to assist sales at this organization as well. So it's not like throw the lead over the fence, here you go. Um, we are very much, what do you need? What can we do to enable you? What can we do to make sure that this customer has the best possible buying experience? Um, so that's why the role kind of spans those two functions. And I'm really excited to ramp things up. So basically by coming on here with us today, you're getting an hour break from that fire hose. So you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I, uh, I already commandeered a conference room. I'm in week three and I kicked someone out. And <laughs> so things are going great. Fantastic. Let me see. I guess I love that approach for marketing teams. I know I've talked to other people. There's different, some companies need to work some way, one way, some another, but here we do believe that marketing works for sales, basically. We're an assistance to sales because ultimately in most companies, if sales is failing, they start chopping people from marketing first uh, <laughs> because the sales guys are, even though they're failing, they're still closing and they can say, yeah, but I closed this much this month, so I'm not a cost to your company. Uh, and the marketing people, they're like, doesn't matter how many leads you're pushing if the sales guys, doesn't matter why they can't close them. Doesn't matter if it's their fault, marketing gets, gets uh, chopped when, uh, when sales aren't, aren't making their numbers. Truth. So let's move on to the ABM a little bit. Uh, can we get some initial mistakes? Do you have any favorites out there? Well, I think that my favorite one or the most common one we encounter across the board is just skipping the research needed to select accounts that make sense. Um, and what I mean by that is a lot of people will just say, here's the accounts that we think are the right accounts. Let's spend a bunch of money pursuing these accounts. Um, right. A lot, a lot, a lot of times, it's just whatever sales said are the right accounts. So sales said, these are my favorite 
hundred accounts that I'm going after. And then you collect those from all the salespeople and you have your account list. And I think that that is one way to really, really early on get started, but you should have a process for validating that with data. Yeah. And that's, I would add on to that and say, if that's your technique, you might be better off not doing ABM because you're kind of, you're not, if you're not, the whole point is some, being really intentional on selecting the accounts. Half the sales guys don't half the time know, I'm sorry, but some of them do, some of them don't really what and why accounts they should be or type of accounts they should be pursuing. And uh, if you're not going to spend a lot of time making sure you're getting the ship pointed in the right direction and a lot of energy and really making sure that that sales guy, the account he says he wants, that he even has the right industry assigned to it in the CRM and the company size and whatnot. Otherwise, okay, let's, he says, here's my best accounts. Give me ones like this. And he has the wrong info in the system for him. You're, your ship's in the wrong direction. You're going to invest all these money in these companies. You're better off going back to the shotgun approach because at least then you're going to hit something. <laughs> You know, yeah. use, using the spear phishing for the wrong thing, it's, it's go back to a net. Forget about it if you're not going to focus on that first step. Yeah, 100% yeah. with you there. So I, I do have one counterpoint to, the, to, to what you said there about you might as well not bother. Um, and that is that part of ABM is working with sales. So sometimes you do have to make some accommodations that make sales happy um, because you want sales bought in. And so... What I typically recommend is say, take, take sales accounts, but take them with a grain of salt and back them up with some data. Um, so we want sales to participate. And so the best way to do that is to be getting them some engagement with those accounts that they think are the best accounts. Um, but taking the extra step to help them prioritize within their own accounts. So I guess I'd say mistake number two, ignoring or not including sales. I mean, that is, that one, is mistake number two. How'd you know? <laughs> yeah, do your research. But number two, that doesn't mean do it alone in marketing. You don't ignore sales. Just don't take what they give you, like you say, and just say, great, we're pointed in this direction. Go. You got to actually look at it, make sure the data is correct, complete, that kind of stuff. And I guess I'm talking a lot about looking at accounts and then finding similar for marketing versus just looking at, here's my list of 10 accounts. Now go ABM them for me or something. Um, there's, there's all different ways depending on how you're going to scale ABM. Uh, but yeah, so, so far we've got, uh, skipping the research for your target accounts, really important by the way, target accounts. We can't overemphasize that too much in ABM. That's the whole thing. If you have the wrong target accounts to start with, you will fail miserably and be that first person cut when the salespeople don't hit their numbers. Yeah, for sure. So I think doing the ICP research, pulling the data out of your database of who is already your best customers, getting that ideal profile developed, figuring out what personas are more likely to buy or more likely to spend more money or more likely to buy faster, um, doing that research upfront and then meshing that together with who sales thinks we should be going after. Um, that's really the, the key to getting the right accounts initially. Um, and then also probably tiering out those accounts or so I guess mistake number three would be failing to tier out those accounts. Um, Can you explain what you mean by tiering out? Yeah. So realistically, you are not going to be able to do the traditional one-to-one -one spear phishing ABM with all of the accounts that you need to be reaching. So I tend to think of it in three tiers um, and I'll, I, 
I can send you a link to this if, if there's somewhere you can post it to the chart I made, but we'll put in the show notes. Yeah. That'd cool. Be great. Um, there's a, the first tier, which is everyone kind of, I think defaults to, which is the one-to-one -one ABM. And that's where you are customizing content for specific accounts. You know, every name of the people on the buying committee, mm -hmm. you know what their hobbies are. You send them a cake on their birthday, that kind of thing. And that's the really elite level of ABM. And it only makes sense if you are closing a large deal. <laughs> that's right. an enterprise level deal. So the very top accounts, like which accounts are you going to buy a billboard in front of their office for versus exactly just know a little more about them when a guy cold calls them. Yep, for sure. And this is where the salespeople can probably have this knowledge database in their head for let's just say 10 to 20 of those accounts. Um, and beyond that, it's something's going to get watered down. So these are the accounts where you want nothing to be watered down. Everything's personal. Everything is tailored. You know exactly what solutions are right for them. And it's just a matter of getting them to the finish line, getting them warmed up to you. Um, top, top priority accounts. And then there's another level. Which Back to the top accounts. So you're saying some accounts you might want in that tier, but if you don't have enough data on the company and on the targets, then you can't really have them there. No, got to move them down until you have that data. Um, so it's not just about how big they are, or how much you want to pursue them. It's also about what data you have on them. Right. I mean, like I want to sell to Apple right, right tomorrow, but I don't know anyone that works there. Move them down. <laughs> I'll send you over a list. Don't worry about Thank it. Thank you. Great. Perfect. Um, so the next tier down uh, is, is that probably the group that we're just talking about where you know that you want to sell to them. You know that they're a good fit for your business based on the limited data you do have, but you don't really have warm engagements. You don't have any relationships. You might only have some names and that I call ABM light. So this is, it's one to few accounts. You're probably personalizing your messaging based on their industry or their company size. Um, you have a nurture strategy in place and some of the people have maybe engaged, but you're not to the point where you're talking to the whole buying committee or you know the names of the buying committee. You're not to the point where we're talking about uh, what the potential deal size could be or anything like that. Um, this is just, we're pretty sure that they're the right fit, but we haven't made enough headway to send them a birthday cake. And are they also kind of a lower spend tier? So I guess I might've caused some confusion there. You're, you're making tiers based on the, the amount of data you have. So how detailed you can get with your campaign for these accounts, but is that also crossing over simultaneously with the amount of spend or the value of each of those accounts? Or do these tiers have kind of sub tiers for spend? I think I tend to think of spend as kind of a, it, that's really a different conversation. Um, it could, this could influence your tiers, but um, just like, it's really hard to make a blanket statement about the size of the spend that would apply to every organization. Right. Oh, I guess I'm saying, are you saying this is an ABM account where everybody's getting the same spend treatment? So you're basically saying these are all the accounts of a certain value. And then maybe you have another ABM account or ABM campaign, I'm sorry, not account, where, um, where you're saying, you know, these are going to get a lighter treatment. They're still going to get detailed uh, pursuit. And then maybe at some point you have an ABM campaign where you're like, you know, this is super light. We're putting SDRs are going to call with detailed information, but 
they're not a high enough value account to be sending out this bespoke mailing stuff and doing billboards and doing, you know, singing telegrams and whatnot. Yeah, I think there, there's definitely a potential where there would be some accounts that are never big enough to be that full one-to-one ABM. Um, and that would probably depend a bit on your business and what product you're selling to them too. Um, I think that some organizations, there's potentially never a big enough sale where one-to-one ABM makes sense. Um, And that's where you can, you need to evaluate and do an analysis and, and don't just do ABM because it's cool. Um, Do it because it makes sense for your business. Um, So potentially a lower level of ABM could make sense, but a higher level might not. Um, That's, that's definitely part of figuring out whether you should do ABM or what level of ABM you should do. So I'm getting outside of the current mistake, but I'm thinking maybe an ABM mistake also is trying to do ABM if you have a 299 product that people buy online. <laughs> like yeah. you have to have a big enough value. Yeah, for sure. I think um, that's that one seems almost so obvious. I didn't even in, like I don't even include it in the mistakes. <laughs> Some people might get into it and think, but, oh yeah, we have a $49 a month subscription for this product, and ABM's hot. We have to do ABM. I have to do ABM some, we have a wide variety of listener types. Keep listening. This is very valuable. When you get a new job at a much bigger company, you'll want to know this stuff, but yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't want to be sending your pencil sharpener subscription. You don't want to be trying to sell that by ABM. Right. Yeah. I think definitely making sure that you do the cost analysis and consider time in there too. A lot of, so one, one of the other mistakes is people not recognizing how much time it takes to personalize stuff, specifically content. A lot of people say, we have this great ABM plan. We're going to personalize um, all of the content for all of our customers. We're going to put in to place all these systems. And there, there are a lot of great tools that help you, for example, personalize your website. So you recognize the company that lands on your website. They can get a personalized message kind of thing. Um, but someone has to write all those messages. Someone has to figure out how to word everything that's going for each individual company or right. each individual industry even. And Unless you're going to grab from your data and have it kind of just be a hello uh, message. Yeah. Insert company here, form fill type of a thing. Yeah. You, you have to get, somebody's got to do the, the manual work on ABM. Right. Which if you're marketing to certain um, people, certain personas that might work that really tokenized messaging um, in my experience, I market to a lot of other marketers who can sniff out a fake personalization message so quick that it's not worth it. And we don't appreciate it either. We do not no. appreciate marketers who do bad, you know, bad mail merges, who get things like your <laughs> and your mixed up. Um, oh, those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, it's one of the difficulties selling to salespeople, marketing to marketing people. We know all the tricks. We know when you're doing personalization in mass poorly is annoying to everybody. I guess I'd say maybe that's another one to just add on here. And we may be up to six is obvious mass personalization. You're going to hurt yourself more than you help. It's nobody likes getting a little flag saying, Hey, we're trying to trick you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I do think that for those people that do want to do my third tier of ABM is programmatic ABM. And that is, Um, I'm not recommending mass personalization there, but um, there is a level of ABM that's a little bit lower spend, um, not as time or labor intensive to execute. And that's where you're, um, you're really using 
you're really prioritizing your accounts and then using traditional marketing methods to reach instead of just instead of just reaching specific personas, narrowing that down to reach specific accounts and saying, I'm spending on display campaigns, I'm spending on LinkedIn ads, but I'm going to tighten that to a list of accounts that we've prioritized within our organization. Right. So maybe you're going to Facebook market, but you're not going to put out a general. You're going to say, we're taking these particular contacts, putting them into Facebook, getting a match to them and only doing them, not everybody in that industry or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so programmatic AVM is like really, it's a good way for a lot of people to get started when they don't have the resources to make all of the personalized touches. Um, And it just kind of helps with it. It helps with like prioritization. You're reaching, you're advertising, you're optimizing your budget to reach accounts that you've figured out are actual accounts and optimize or just really managing your spend in the most effective way possible to, to not blanket, but to actually just go for those accounts. Right. It's almost halfway between traditional marketing and ABM. Um, you're just saying, we're not going to do this whole persona. We're going to hand select accounts within that persona and then, and then uh, market just directly to them. I want to go back to the mass personalization thing that tr- kind of made me think of something for, for people. It's not bad to mass personalize when it's for good. So when it's, we're mass personalizing, like, oh, we only want to target people in this specific industry. Um, so we don't annoy people in industries that are completely irrelevant. I remember back in the day, a big problem with email spams and stuff was people thought, oh, I can get a million emails. Who cares who it is? The interested people will respond and the people that it doesn't apply to, who cares? That's a terrible way of doing things. Everybody knows that now. But when it comes to mass personalization, you can use it for things like making sure you're targeting the right people, things behind the scenes a little bit. I think it it really only gets bad and marketers get really annoyed when you use it for things like pretending you know something you don't or pretending you did. We all get those emails that say, hey, I looked at your site and I thought we could help out. And we're like, no, you didn't look at our site. I know you didn't look at our site. We're a competitor of yours or something like that. That's the mass personalization that's bad, where you're using it to fake that you care about something that you don't or that you did something you don't or you know something you don't. And marketers sniff that out. And you know what? Marketers aren't smarter than anybody. Everyone else sniffs it out too. Um, So that's, I think, the bad mass personalization. There's a good version. You can use the data you have for good. Just don't try to fake stuff. Yep. Agreed. Don't be too cheesy either. Some people like cheese. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of people are lactose intolerant out there. Don't be too cheesy. That's a bumper sticker. But how do you feel about pineapple on pizza? <laughs> I'm good with it. Yeah, yeah. Hawaiian I'm also pie. pro pineapple on pizza. So, so misspelling your is, is the bigger offense. I think that was what everyone voted. <laughs> yeah, we put out a link to the LinkedIn thing, letting everybody know that Kate was going to be um, was going to be on the podcast, and we put the wrong your in it. Um, we quickly corrected it, but the damage was done. <laughs> it's always done. The damage is always done. Thanks social media. Forever on the internet. It's forever. Screenshots and everything. I would like to say we did it on purpose in order to get people to react because sometimes you can't intentionally put a mistake into your campaign because you want people to point it out because they're raising their hand that way. And it gives <laughs> them an easy call to action. The call to action on this is for them to point out we missed, we used the wrong mm-hmm. your. We're going to get way more responses now because you can built in a bug. 
but that wasn't the case here. And that technique is not typically a great idea, I would say. <laughs> um, but it can be effective sometimes done right, um, you know, as long as it triggers something fun. I want to take a quick break and then we'll come back and in the second half, we're going to dig into many more uh, of the uh, ABM mistakes. I think we got through six, seven, something like that right now. A lot more to get to right after the break. Big brands see big opportunity in small business, but how do you reach, engage, and motivate the over 30 million small businesses that exist today in North America? How do big brands think and talk small? That's why Cargo exists, helping big brands market and sell to small businesses. You can visit thecargoagency.com to learn more. Welcome back to the If You Market podcast. I am here with uh, Kate Athmer of Bombora. We're talking about ABM mistakes. We've got uh, some more coming at you here in the second half. Kate, uh, you want to start off with, an, with another one? Sure. So this one is a really big one. It kind of goes hand in hand with the uh, what we were talking about right at the beginning, making sure you have the right accounts. And that is a lot of people do not update their account list often enough. So relying on target static target, relying on static target account list is we'll edit that out. Don't worry about it. Mistake. I figured. Thanks. Do you want me to say it again? No, no. We like to say that and then not edit it out. So people get to hear us saying we're going to edit it out. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, so static well, target accounts, uh, basically you said, here's our, you know, let's just grab a number for a, for a size of company. Here's our 50 accounts we're going to pursue in a year from now, you still have that same 50 accounts. Yeah. Or even six months from now, I think if we think back to the people that might be using the recommended sales list, how often is sales coming to you and saying, you know what, maybe take these five off. I talked to them. They're not interested. That doesn't happen. Um, so Finding ways to make sure you have a regular cadence to check in with sales if their target accounts have been updated. Um, but also, and this comes back to, for example, using intent data where you know that you have access to data about who might be in a buying motion right now or a research motion. And you probably also have data to people who just signed a contract with your competitor and now is not the time to be spamming them because they are probably already have buyer's remorse, right? So, um, so not updating your target account list and continuing to spam, and I, I do consider it spam, continuing to spam people that you, accounts that you know are not ready to buy from you right now is only going to make things harder down the road. Yeah. Unsolicited um, bulk email. We call it baloney here, but spam mm -hmm. is a pretty similar product. Yeah. Right. And just knowing, like paying attention to what time it is, paying attention to all the tools you have as a marketer today to make sure that you're not just hitting the same list over and over again with no regard for what they care about is, is a mistake. And the other side of the static target account list is failing to expand your target account list. And this one is huge and something that we see so much of, and that is focusing so much on ABM is a lot of people are like, if you focus all on ABM, then the well will run dry. And that's true. But the way to avoid that is to continually be adding to that ABM pool. And so you can do all ABM if you want. And we've seen some people have success doing all ABM. But the reason is they keep doing demand gen. They keep 
adding to that pool. They keep finding new accounts that are like the accounts on their list and adding them in, swapping them in, swapping out the ones that just bought from their competitor and keeping that list really dynamic and fresh so that there are leads coming into the top of the funnel and that the pool continues to refill itself. Right. So do a lookalike, go to your sales team and ask them who else should you want us to pursue? Um, you know, go to Bumbora and look at the intent data and say, what lookalike companies are at a nice intent spot for us to pursue that kind of stuff. Yeah. Go to lead space, go to Everstring, have them look at your data and tell you who else should be on that account list. There's, there's so many tools that marketers have to do marketing smarter. Um, yeah. and go to, um, go to top data search made uh, by mountaintop data. Uh, plug. Um, I would say you're talking about accounts, but I think also within accounts, it's the individual contacts. So it's, it's yeah. kind of a constant updating. Like we talk about a year, six months. If you aren't updating the contacts within an account in, you know, every six months, you have 20% probably overturn in, in those contacts. You need to be adding the new contacts. And in many industries, those are going to be your best targets are the people that are new w w within a company. They're open-minded at least. They don't set into things already. They're looking to shake something up. They're looking to make something their own instead of just continue whatever the status quo was in the company. So yeah, updating the accounts themselves, but then, I mean, it's called account-based marketing, but there's still people inside that. Make sure you're updating the individual people you're reaching out to uh, as well. Yeah. So you snuck into one of my other mistakes there, and that is focusing too much on accounts and not enough on contacts. You still need to reach the actual people at those accounts. Um, and oftentimes in today's world, it's multiple people. You need to reach eight plus people. I think even when I sell to small organizations, there's, there's always at least eight people involved. I think someone, I think the number is like six and a half on average. That's not, no, it's higher. <laughs> it's definitely higher. Um, so they only have five employees. It's higher than six. It's still, yeah. Someone asked their, their spouse or something yeah. for input. There's always a contractor lawyer involved that wants, you know, a billion red lines and everything. So Something there's always eight. data that drives us crazy too, is when, especially when building intent, you're going to narrow down the amount of accounts that you're, that you're targeting. But in my opinion, you should also, you should be then expanding within the company, the amount of people you're targeting, right? Because you're trying to really saturate that whole department, the whole decision-making, the whole area and what people frequently leave out, especially when they talk, only talk to salespeople, um, is the person, the salesperson, when they look at their best accounts and say, here's who I work with, it is almost never the person they started talking, the person they got in the door with. If, if whoever got the, that original lead had reached out to that person, they would have been ignored forever. That may be their contact now and the decision maker now, but you really need to make sure you have the door opener, the person who's going to champion you, the person who's actually going to be willing to talk to the, your people when you first come in, actually be willing to open your email, um, you know, doesn't have an assistant screening all their emails type of thing. If you don't have those people, if you're only going after the ultimate decision maker, you're going to wonder why you're not getting traction. And because you're going after the end, you got to start at the start kind of with your contacts. So make sure you have as wide a net as possible within that account when you when you start, I guess, for uh, mistake number, whatever, we'll add numbers in uh, later for this. <laughs> we, we're getting lost, but that's something I would add in there on the data. Uh, we're a data company. We know data is cheap. Data is cheap. Get all the contacts you can within those target accounts that have anything to do. And like you said, Kate, constantly be updating them as well. Not just the company list, adding new companies, but uh, updating those contacts and maybe even updating the company info. You know, things change. 
They grow in size. They, they get know, funding. Yeah, things change that could be part of your target. And if you don't relook at the data points you're using in your account-based marketing to, to target them and for the type of message you're targeting, you may be sending something to them that's based on old information about what their company does, about their messaging, about what, you know, what the company size they are, whatever information you're using around them, don't, don't use two years ago's messaging from them to, to target them. Or you'll look kind of silly when they're like, hey, we got bought by Oracle two years ago. You guys are way off base on this, on this yeah. comparing us to Oracle thing you're doing in the account-based marketing. We are Oracle now. That kind of a, a, of a thing can be pretty, uh, pretty damaging to getting any response as well. Yeah, I think, um, and this is a whole separate topic probably for another day, but keeping in mind that account-based marketing can be used for existing customers too. Um, there's still, it's a great, great strategy for upsell, cross-sell kind of movements. And um, that's, that's another case for making sure that you continue to have accurate data on the account and, and as many contacts as possible. Relevant yeah. contacts. You can have an ABM for account-based management as well, I guess, uh, with, with your existing clients. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, we are running out of time so fast. Let's try to spitfire out a couple more here uh, before we run out of time. Do you have any other quick and easy ones? I've got a list from from people online let's, as let's well. Let's do your list. I'm curious what we got offline. Um, so one that I'm glad uh, we're, we're bringing this one up. Thinking that it's a 60-day initiative. Like thinking, hey, let's try this out and see what happens. And, oh, we haven't gotten uh, results from this yet, so we better scrap it. No, this is a long-term commitment. If you don't believe in it enough um, to see it through the cycle, then don't bother. Again, the other marketing still works. Maybe not as well, but it'll work better for you than you know taking a, a, a one-week shot at ABM to test it out. Yeah, I mean, unless your sales cycle is like 24 hours, in which case that might be long enough. <laughs> but then you're likely have a low value product where ABM still isn't even a good fit. So it's, it's tough to find that company that has a really quick sales cycle and can test ABM uh, fast. So yeah, yeah, if sure. you try it out for a week and it doesn't work, that means you were probably wrong. If it does, then Hey, you're that company. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one somebody has here is technology, not having the right technologies in place. Really difficult. I would think to do a lot of what you mentioned without a CRM that people can integrate properly communication methods, the right technologies to actually pull it off, which is kind of what brought ABM, I think MarTech, we didn't have ABM before MarTech really for marketing uh, because the technology didn't exist. You couldn't track things, you couldn't narrow things, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think the counterpoint to that is investing too much in the MarTech and expecting it to make it work for you without having a strategy in place. So there's, there's a lot of ABM specific technology um, and people just buy it and assume that that ABM happens. Um, right. So the technology for a small company might just be an ABM Slack channel or coming up with a hashtag for your CRM so you can easily track which accounts for the 10 accounts that your one account manager is doing ABM style. It doesn't mean investing a ton of money necessarily. Yeah, but but it is important to have, to your point, a way to actually know what the accounts are that you're going after and, and organize the contacts around them at minimum. Another person here mentions a wish list. I think uh, when selecting accounts, not just having your salespeople say, you know, again, here's my wish list. I want Apple and Amazon and like, okay, that's not really how it works. Yeah. And frequently those big accounts, you're going to bomb on those 
because yes, it's ABM, it's effective, but you might need something much more involved than that. You might need a, you know, somebody at the top of your firm to be meeting with their people when you're talking about those kind of companies. Your ABM strategy you're setting up that's going to be effective for your internal people probably not going to work on these top level Fortune 500 companies. Okay, I think we've run out of time for any more, any others, and we have some people post them online. We'll put them in the show notes here. And then uh, anyone who wants to volunteer additional, I'm sure there's just an endless supply of ABM mistakes out there. And Kate, we'll have to try to do another episode again sometime soon. I can't believe we went so fast through this and there's so much more to, to point out on horrible things people have done with ABM. Uh, again, getting back to it, ABM is great, but just don't make these mistakes and the many others that we'll look at in the show notes. So uh, where can people find you uh, on, online, Kate? So I'm on Twitter at Kate Athmer, or you can find me on LinkedIn. It's actually easiest if you just go to connectwithkate.com. That'll redirect you right to my LinkedIn so you don't have to spell my last name. Um, and, uh, the company that I work for is Bombora. That's B O M B O R A.com. Um, if you want to check out what's going on there, or you can also probably find me through that website if, if you're not on the social media. And then we'll put all your info, uh, home phone number, all that kind of stuff on the show notes as well. Google street view Uh, of my house. Yeah, Google street view. Everything now. We'll put your basic uh, business information and uh, and LinkedIn link and stuff like that on the show notes. So anybody who wants to find you, but also yeah, just put her name into LinkedIn and she'll she'll come up. Listeners, please do share us on social media and uh, give us a good review on iTunes. And now, uh, on behalf of the Ify Market team and Kate Athmer of Bombora, thank you for listening to the Ify Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with uh, account-based marketing and don't make the mistakes we've talked about, I guess uh, they will come. The If You Market podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data. And at Mountaintop Data, we're all about data for B2B marketing. Our goal is to improve the quality, depth, and coverage of our clients' targeted marketing data while removing the technical pain of accessing and implementing data. We help with everything from new target contacts to appending and cleaning existing data, all with the goal to free you and your team up to focus on creating great marketing experiences. Check us out online at mountaintopdata.com and sign up for our new top data search tool and get free access to search our database of over 30 million business contacts. Use the code hashtag IYM when signing up and get 200 free credits. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.